congregation, the text for the sermon this morning are the verses 25 to 27. John 19, 25 to 27. We'll read those verses again. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So far. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes also you, boys and girls, you belong to the Lord. The text for this Mother's Day morning sermon are about the last words of the Lord Jesus to his mother Mary before he gave up his spirit on the cross. They seem like very personal words for Jesus and his mother and words that might you think are, uh, not apply that much to us today because they were specifically meant for Mary in those circumstances. But they do apply to us today in more ways than one. Those uh, words of the Lord Jesus were recorded in the Bible by the Holy Spirit, were recorded for us today too, for our instruction today. In his speaking to and in his concern for his mother, Jesus actually speaks to us all, children and mothers, to all of us today. And with that in mind, I preach to you the word of God about Jesus' final words to his mother Mary before his death. And we see it that in those words, he first of all, he honors her. Secondly, he saves her. And thirdly, he incorporates her into his church. Jesus honors his mother with his last words in the first place. He honors her. Imagine, congregation, how it must have been for Mary there on Golgotha on that a Good Friday. It's hard enough to watch your own child suffer. It must have been horrible for her to see Jesus suffering there as he hung on that cross, to see the nails driven through his hands and feet, and see the blood running down his face too because of the crown of thorns without being pressed on his head. It's true Mary wasn't alone. There were three other women with her as far as we know. The, the text says three other women. And one man was there also, John. Jesus' beloved disciple. There was little, though, that they could say or do to comfort Mary. It was as if uh, a sword was piercing her soul there. Jesus was her firstborn son. 
His coming had been foretold by an angel. It was a very special birth. Her child would be extremely special, the Son of God, come to save mankind. So that child had been conceived in her womb under very special circumstances by the Holy Spirit when she was a virgin. She had carried Jesus in her womb for nine months. He had been born under very special circumstances in Bethlehem. What an occasion that was. Shepherds had come and worshipped him. Herod had tried to kill him. Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt for some years with the baby Jesus. You can imagine that this was something very special. The whole thing was very special to Mary. He was close to her heart. And now it had come to this. It had come to an excommunication and an execution on that bare hill outside of Jerusalem. Oh, that she had to experience that yet with her firstborn son. So confusing. So many amazing things have been said about him. And now this. He was dying. Her special son. And that was, that was difficult to bear. Children are meant, not meant to die before their parents. And in this case, the child was being put to death as a criminal, even though the mother knew he was perfectly innocent and knew that this was the Son of God come to save mankind. As the firstborn son, the responsibility for Mary's care after Joseph's death had gone to Jesus. That's how it was in Israel in those days. After the death of one parent, the eldest son was responsible for the family and for the surviving parent. And then especially for the widows. Well, Jesus took that responsibility seriously. So seriously, in fact, that he even considered it while he was dying on that cross for the sins of others, as he knew. He thought of that, of his mother. And even from the cross, he made arrangements for his mother's care. Now, we see that in our text. While he was close to death on the cross, he made sure that his closest disciple, John, would also then continue to take care of his mother. And note that he didn't ask John to do that as such. He didn't request John to do it. He commanded him. He said to John, here is your mother. Some older translations show even more that this was a command when they translate as behold your mother. Hey? Behold your mother. 
the Lord Jesus made sure that his mother would be well cared for materially, spiritually. He made sure that she wouldn't end up in the home of one of his brothers because those brothers at that time were still unbelievers. As we know from John 7, verse 5, it says there, even his brothers did not believe in him at that time. So he entrusted his mother to his closest disciple, John. And John did as his Lord commanded. It says in the last part of her text that from that time on, John took Mary into his home, took care of her. Tradition has it that he even took her to Ephesus later on. And that Mary died in Ephesus, but that's just tradition. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, even in the middle of incredible suffering then, the Lord Jesus, we see in our text, honored his mother. He took care of her. He made sure of her care. Even from the cross, we see his perfect love and faithfulness and obedience to the fifth commandment of God's law. Honor your father and mother. We see that in him, even when you think he wouldn't have had time or energy to think about that, he was undergoing terrible suffering on the cross. And when somebody's undergoing terrible suffering like that, his world can become quite small. Concentration is on your own suffering, but not the Lord Jesus. His world didn't become that small. It became larger. He thought of his mother. He thought of you and me. He wasn't suffering for himself there, but for all his own, for those the Father had given him as he had prayed the evening before. He hung out of, on that cross out of love for the world, we could say. Consciously, willingly suffered there for your sins, my sins, for this, for, and also then for our sins against the fifth commandment. Suffered there for our sins against our parents our shortcomings over against our mothers. Things we said and, and did that hurt our mothers, that caused them a lot of worry and struggle. Those sins are also forgivable because of him. He hung there for the sins of parents against their children too, the shortcomings of mothers over against their children for not paying enough attention to their children, for not showing the love they could and should have maybe at certain times, not maybe being wise and disciplining, disciplining them at certain times, or, or maybe afterwards they think didn't discipline enough. So many things in which we can fall short as children, but also as, as mothers, as parents. So many things go wrong in our families, don't they? And we don't even have to think of family when we think of the, the fifth commandment. We don't have to restrict that only to family. The Catechism says, Lord's Day 38, this commandment involves honoring all those, respecting all those in authority over us. We all sin in so many ways against the fifth commandment transfer also bitter feelings about or negative feelings in in the family transfer them to the church right 
You see all kinds of things wrong in the church. You become critical and rebellious about the church of the Lord. And then you don't like it when the elders come and, and visit or the deacons. You remain close to them and the office bearers can become frustrated too or partial, not do their work as they should. All, those are all things that involve the fifth commandment. Sins and shortcomings with respect to the fifth commandment. But see how the Lord Jesus suffers there on the cross and remains obedient to the fifth commandment. He remained obedient for us in our place. He thought of us poor sinners. He made sure that he honored his mother for us so that his perfect, obedient, his perfect obedience would also cover our sins against the fifth commandment. He submitted to the authorities. He thought of his mother. We could even say he thought of parents and children. He showed mercy to sinful parents and children and church members and citizens while he hung on the cross there on Golgotha. In his agony, he remained perfectly obedient for us so that his perfect obedience would cover all our sins. And he suffered to deliver us from the punishment our sins against the fifth commandment also deserved. He took that on. And that brings us to the second point with his last words to his mother. Jesus also shows that he saved, saves her, that he's, the, he's her savior. Congregation, Jesus, so Jesus honored his mother when he told John to look after her, but he also spoke words of salvation to his mother. He, he spoke to his mother there. And you have to notice, he didn't address her as mother. No, he addressed her in the text as woman. Woman. He honors his mother. He takes care of her there on Golgotha as his mother. But he also kind of relativizes that mother-son relationship there. He doesn't say mother, but he addresses her as woman. Why did he do that? Well, he wanted to make clear to her that the most important relationship she had with him was not the mother-son relationship. No, he was relativizing that relationship. Mary had to learn that the most important relationship she had with Jesus there on that cross was the relationship of sinner to Savior. And that was a difficult lesson for her to learn. She had to realize that the family relationship wasn't the most important. She had to understand that her greatest despair wasn't that she was a mother who had to give her firstborn child over to an accursed death. No, her greatest distress was actually that she stood there as a sinner before God who needed a Savior. Now, it would sound pretty strange if you'd say some, to someone who's brokenhearted about the dying of a loved one, your greatest grief is not the death of your loved one, but your sins. I think that person would get pretty upset if you said something like that. However, that's basically what the Lord Jesus had to say to his mother. He says that to us all yet, too. 
The greatest distress of our life is not the loss of a family member or friend or any other tragedy that might befall us. The greatest misery of our lives is our sins which stand between God and us. That's the greatest tragedy. Because of our sins, we become estranged from God, the source of our life. And death has gotten hold of us. And what we need more than anything else in this life is to be saved from our sins and from the punishment those sins deserve. Eternal punishment. What we need more than anything else in this life is Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's what Mary had to learn there too. She had to learn she, she shouldn't just see Jesus as her child, her firstborn and beloved son in the first place. No, she had to see him there as her Savior from sin above all and beyond everything else. Her Savior. She needed to love him first and foremost, not as her son, but as her Redeemer who was dying to save her from her sins and condemnation too. So not, she wasn't supposed to love him as her son above everything else, but to love him as her Lord above all. And then the tragedy of her life was not that her son was dying, but that her sins required that. Oh, that wouldn't have been an easy lesson for Mary to learn. Mary, uh, Jesus was Mary's flesh and blood child too. Let's not underestimate that. But Jesus had been trying to teach her that lesson all along already in his life as her, her child too. Remember when Jesus was 12, Mary and Joseph searched for him for three days at the Passover feast. And they finally found him then in the temple. And then Mary had said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. She forgot he was sent to be the Savior. And she only saw him as her flesh and blood son. And therefore Jesus answered her, Did you not know I must be about my father's business? She had forgotten that Jesus wasn't only her son, but her savior. And later too, when Jesus' mother and brothers came looking for him and someone told him that your, your mother and brothers are out here and they want to see you, then Jesus had answered, My mother and my brothers are these people, those who hear God's word and practice it. Congregation, Mary had to learn to give up her son for the sake of God's kingdom. Being one in spirit is more than being one in flesh and blood. As Jesus once said, Matthew 10, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Christ above all, also on Mother's Day. 
Mary had to learn to let go of her son in order to gain him as her savior. If she wasn't going to do that, she wouldn't be able to get over her grief at seeing him die as she did there in Golgotha. She'd become a bitter woman, bitter at the world, bitter at God, even who allowed this terrible thing to happen to her son in spite of what he had, had been prophesied about him. Jesus wanted to keep his mother from that bitterness, wanted her to focus not on the fact that he was her son, but on the fact that he was her savior above all. And that's why we don't hear Jesus saying tender and comforting words to his mother like, oh mother, don't be so sad. In three days you'll see me again. He didn't say that. No, because then he would draw her back into the sphere of family again. Yes, he was going to rise from the dead again, but not to make his family happy. He was going to rise again and return to gather a church for himself, chosen to salvation in him. He was going to come back and send his disciples out into the world with the good news of salvation and so gather a people to himself in faith and love. A family of God. Whoever hears the word of God and practices it, that person is really mother and father, brother and sister of Jesus. That's the most important relationship of all. And Mary had to see that and be gathered into Jesus Christ's church then too. She needed to be there too, not as mother of Jesus, but as, as a sister to the Lord Jesus too. And that relationship has to be the most important of all relationships in us too. Not family relationships are number one. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ and being part of the family he gathers out of all people. His church. Being brothers and sisters in the Lord. Mothers and fathers in the Lord. That spiritual relationship with the Lord and his body, his church, is more important than any other relationship here on earth. And that brings us to the last point I want to draw from the text. Jesus also incorporates Mary into his church. Congregation of the Lord Jesus on the cross obeyed God's law and honored his mother by making sure she was taken care of, and then he taught his mother to accept that the main thing wasn't that he was her son, but he was her savior. And so he directed his mother to his disciple, John. But note, John's name is not mentioned there in the text. It just says, the disciple. Verse 26, therefore, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there. And verse 27, and from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The disciple. Congregation, that, that's, that's a very important thing in the text because John is indicated by the Spirit in the text by his position rather than his name, his proper name. See, Jesus didn't give his mother Mary's care over to one of his flesh and blood brothers who, as we mentioned, didn't believe in him at the time yet, no. Mary was told to the go, home, go to the home of the disciple, 
the follower of Jesus, the student of Jesus, would be apostle. Jesus created a new relationship here, a mother-son relationship not based on blood and flesh, but based on the relationship with Him. The relationship with His blood which He was giving there on Golgotha. The thing is, we see Jesus joining His mother Mary to His disciple who was to be the apostle who would carry out His word. And then through that disciple, He brings her into His church. And that's why later on, Acts 1, 13 and 14, just before Pentecost, we see Mary in that circle of disciples. Acts 1, 13 and 14. Mary sits there too in the church. It mentions there that the disciples were in that upper room in Jerusalem in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Mary's mentioned specifically there. Professor Faber used to say, there she is on the back bench, sitting there also in the church. So Jesus' brothers too in the flesh were among those 120 or so souls. They came to faith. But the thing is, those people there were all united by faith in the blood of Jesus. And so they were fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters for each other in the Lord. So Jesus was about to die at the time of our text, but in his dying, by means of his words to his mother and the disciple John, he brought about a very special kind of family, a new family. And this is not a family in which the most important relationship is that of blood relation as it was in Old Testament Israel. No, by means of His blood, Jesus connects all kinds of people from all over, Jew and Greek, male and female, slave and free. They all become, through faith in Jesus Christ, through listening to the Word and practicing it, God's family. Family. Mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters of each other. Jesus was leaving His mother behind but he wasn't going to leave her on her own. No, via John, he incorporated her also into his spiritual family, his church, the family of God. See, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, Mary's greatest comfort wasn't that she was the mother of the Savior, no matter how wonderful that was for her. She was blessed for that. No, her real comfort was that she belonged with body and soul to her Savior, Jesus Christ, and through faith in him, was also part of his body, the church, the communion of saints. So Mary lost her son there, but through him she gained many more sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. We could say that at the time of his death, in his words to his mother and his disciple John, Jesus began to form the New Testament church. It says in the text that from that time on, the disciples took her into his home. We could, we could actually say that was the beginning of the New Testament communion of saints. It started very small, very weak. Mary didn't fully understand what Jesus was doing there on Golgotha. And on Easter morning, John didn't accept very easily either that Jesus had risen from the grave triumphant. But the Lord Jesus was patient 
in his great love and mercy, he brought more and more people to understand and to faith in his word and so to communion with Mary and John and with each other, gathered a church for himself so that on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 souls together along with Mary, the mother of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, do you see that, that Jesus' words to his mother have everything to do with us today too? In his terrible suffering for sinners, he thought of his mother and he honored her by making sure she would be cared for. But he did more than that while he was suffering on Golgotha. He was also thinking of you and me. He started a new family there with Mary and John and later on the other disciples and women. Not a family of blood relation, but a family saved by his blood. And to belong to that family is to be brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of Mary and John and all the other, other people over the centuries who've been gathered in. And, that, and what's so wonderful about belonging to that church of Christ is that we can say that Christ loves us today as much as he loved his mother Mary then. He gave himself for us and he gave us to each other here as mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters in him. You belong to one family. And in his church, we're even closer to his heart than his mother in the flesh was. And knowing that, it shouldn't be hard for us to love him more than anything else, should it? And in him, love one another. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ crucified and how he honored his mother and how he showed that belonging to his church and to one another is even more wonderful than biological motherhood and family even. That's wonderful in itself, but belonging to the family of God, your family, is more awesome even. Father, help us to honor our mothers and our grandmothers then, but above all, to also love one another more than family, love one another in Christ, our Savior, and in his name we pray.